welcome to Grace in the Shadows. This is Dr. Marla Beeler and Dr. J. Dr. Jonathan Beeler. Hello, everyone. Hope you are doing well today. It's Saturday for us. Yes. And I got woken up early by the dog. He wanted some attention. Which, you know, when we had kids, we would get woken up early. And we would spend the Friday, you know, Friday, spend Saturday morning in the bed with the kids. Enjoyable. Great. I'm sorry. When the dog wakes me up early on a Saturday morning, it makes me cranky. It makes me cranky. You slept through it. I I can sleep through through a nuclear attack. He like kept going over there and laying almost on top of you and you still slept through it. I did. Oh, well. But anyway, so I had some yummy coffee and that was good. Zero sugar. Caramel macchiato cream is really good. Sounds good. Just check it out, y'all. Delicious. (laughs) All right. We want to do a quick shout out to Santa Ana, California. Yes. Yay. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for downloading. We've gotten a lot of new listeners from different places lately. We're so excited to have you. Please be sharing. We're so thankful. If you send us an email to Dr. Jonathan at graceintheshadowsor.org, we will give you $5 off in our Etsy store, shadowsofgrace.etsy.com. Just send us an email. Give us a shout out. Give us a prayer request. You know, if you want to recommend that we do something or if you want to make a statement about um, one of our past podcasts, please you'll get that $5 off. You can also support us and uh, we are raising money for missions. Next trip is uh, Tanzania. Yes. Hoping that you don't go on a safari and get eaten by a lion. Well, I would like to go on a safari, but if we don't, the purpose is to share the gospel. True. Uh, But even then, we'll see what happens. I've never been to Africa. Me either. But I'm looking forward to it if the Lord wills. All right. Cool, cool. And then we also have a link in our show notes for Covenant Eyes. And Covenant Eyes, tell everybody what Covenant Eyes is. Covenant Eyes is a porn blocker. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, it helps people that are struggling with uh, lust or addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also helps prevent the temptation, Mm -hmm. uh, even for kids that are on the Internet. Right. Maybe they're searching for something and, you know, the Internet can go wild and if something innocent is looking for a teddy bear, can end up being something more than a teddy bear. Yes. And that can be problematic and you don't want that in your home. No. Uh, Covenant Eyes can help prevent that. Right. Matter of fact, you can have a month free. Yes, with the promo code GRACE1998. And I think we're going to try, we're trying to really help people get that. Yes. uh, Because... we do get a little bit of assistance with that, don't we? A little bit. And it all goes to, to missions. Yeah. yeah. So look for this. If you can't find that link, email us at Jonathan at graceintheshadowsor.org or text or call 251-244-4645 and we'll be happy to give you that link. I mean, we have a goodly amount of people listening and praise mm-hmm. the Lord. Yes. And I can guarantee, mm-hmm. almost, yes. guarantee. Almost guaranteed. Uh, that there are people that need this. Yes. So check it out. So please check it out. All right. You got some facts for us today? Nice, cool facts. There All are right. 43 giant presidential heads in the field of Croker, Virginia. Oh. Most stand between 18 to 20 feet and cost around $10 million to build. Hmm. Now, it doesn't say, is this in someone's backyard? Or, <laughs> is there like a... Yeah. 
Park. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Sounds well, interesting. Interesting. We'll have to check it. Just their heads? Just their heads. All right. All right. James Madison was the smallest president of the United States. He stood just five feet, four inches. He's shorter than you. <laughs> I feel tall. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I, that's interesting. I wonder if he had, like, the Napoleon complex, like some sort of... No, I don't know much about James Madison. I know Dolly. Dolly Madison. You know her personally? <laughs> no, not personally. <laughs> All right. America has the longest cave system in the world. It's Mammoth Cave National yeah. Park. Okay. It goes for 400-odd miles with further... 600 miles still yet to be explored. And that is in your home state, Kentucky. The bluegrass. Our kids were born in Kentucky, too. Yeah. Maybe we could stop by there. So have you been? I was like five or six years old when we went. So you don't really remember. Maybe we can go on our... um, Maybe a little trip. Yeah. Let's do a summer trip, maybe. But yeah, Mammoth Cave. Now, I, I did tell you that I'm a little nervous. I get claustrophobic. Some of the caves there are, but you don't necessarily have to go on those. All right. There's bigger caves that are really huge. Well, I will consider doing this trip with you if you don't make me go through like a small. Some horseback riding. Some horseback riding. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, St. Augustine, Florida is the oldest city in America. It was claimed by Spanish explorer Ponce de Leon in 1532. St. Augustine. I've never been there. Me I think either. we have some listeners from there, so shout out to St. Augustine. St. Augustine, yeah! Oh, my voice. <laughs> you you caught a little cold. You always come back and catch something. or I have a little cold. I want some antibiotics. Yeah. It's probably helping me sleep uh, right. through the dog's scenario. Uh, probably. So if he sounds a little off, well, not off, but a lot of... I'm always off. <laughs> if I'm he sounds a little off. snuffly, your snuffly ears roughly. do not. Uh, it's because he's got a cold. Because he got one coming back from Dominican. I always get one. Yes, you do. Yes. More people live in New York City than in 40 of the 50 states. New York City is a bustling place. 8.5 million. There are a lot of people there. Yes. Go Yankees. Woohoo! Yeah. So, cool. Well, you know, um, one more fact. Okay. All right. All right. George Washington never lived in the White House. Oh, he well, passed away before ever getting the chance to live there. Now it was built after him. Yes. Okay, and wasn't it destroyed, or am I thinking of something else? Was the White House? We'll have to look that. I don't remember. I don't either. Fan. I am sorry. I asked you a question. I didn't know the answer to. Y'all look uh, it up. Let us know. Five dollars off if you can send us a uh, text or an email. I know the Capitol. Was like in Philadelphia for a while, yeah. and I think he been in um, another place. Yeah, but uh, yeah, not sure right off. All right, so send us an email, Doctor Jonathan. Yeah, at Grace in the Shows or dot org. We'll give you five dollars off. Luke fourteen twenty five to thirty five. We're talking about a little bit of what discipleship. What is it? Yes. Is it separated from salvation? Is it? Are you saved and then you have to become a disciple or, oh, or what? Interesting questions. Okay, so Luke 14, 25 through 35, the cost yeah. of being a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Mm. 
Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask the terms for the terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, that's a pretty crappy situation. <laughs> I do not believe Manure pile. <laughs> I'll blame it on my... Uh, oh, antibiotics. Antibiotics. <laughs> it's all the medicine's fault. All right, all right. Well... You know, and I, I was being silly, but there's truth to that. True. I, I really think that the tr- we are seeing the last days where I agree. You know, the the salt of the gospel of mm-hmm. believers is really losing its saltiness. It is, and it's really sad. A lot of churches, you know, have popped up, um, and that are just preaching a feel-good gospel and just turning church into a concert and things like that. And people aren't learning the importance of being a true disciple. It's just bringing people to church and making them feel happy and joyful and then not even commissioning them to go out and change the world. You know, I think there's a problem. Jesus didn't, he drew large crowds, but they didn't stay large. Right. Well, that's (laughs) true. I mean, yeah. You know, so they had large crowds following him. And I don't believe this is there's a separation right. between salvation mm-hmm. and discipleship. I think he is talking about salvation and, and discipleship as being one. Yeah, if we're going to follow, if we're going to accept Christ, we're going to follow him and be his disciple. I mean, you, you want to be. And I think... In our generation, we are seeing a lot of churches that really, really aren't even preaching the gospel. Because if you preach the gospel, they wouldn't, that would be insulting. Well, just like we do a lot of podcasts about narcissism, and we've talked about, you know, there being an influx of more narcissists nowadays. And I think our churches are feeding into that by sending everybody out happy, you know, oh, happy joyful, woohoo. You know, I think that's very dangerous. And there's nothing wrong with being happy in oh, Jesus. No. Nothing wrong. But, you know, sometimes your toes need to be stepped on so you know how to really follow Christ. Let's look at this for a second. The large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Okay. And, you know, we will see later. Of course, we're not, you know, if you read deeper into mm-hmm. the, the Gospels, those crowds went from uh, 1,000 to 100 to twelve. Right. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, as the large crowd was there, and does not hate father and mother, mm-hmm. children, brothers, sisters, yet even his own life, right, cannot be my disciple. You know, large crowds, it always is very befuddling. Right. Because a lot of things in churches today, 
Mm-hmm. I believe there are lots of self-deceived people thinking that they're saved. Right. And they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, say a little prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a type of voodoo, you know. Uh, right. Uh, you say, say these words. I invite Jesus into my heart. And yeah. I'm not making fun. I know no. I'm not trying to make right. fun of it. No, no, no. But it's not magical. And some people act like it should be, but it's not. And you've got to mean the words that you're praying when you accept Jesus yes. with your whole heart, mind, self, you know, everything. You've got to mean it. It can't just be words. Case in point, when I was five years old, mm-hmm. my kindergarten teacher, I went to a Christian school, a kindergarten teacher said, anybody wants to come up and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, come up. The whole class went up there. Yeah. I came home, told my mom, yeah, I went up and I'm praying to to Christ. The only reason why I went up there is because one, one girl said, hey, aren't you coming up here? You're just sitting there. And I'm sorry. I prayed those words, but I didn't know what I was doing. Now, am I saying five-year-olds can't come to Christ? No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I did not know, mean, feel what I was doing. I was just doing it because everybody else was. But Marla. Yes, sir. You were voted. Yeah. The most uh Yeah. Yeah, the best Christian witness. Best Christian witness. In my senior class and I was not a Christian. I didn't get saved until I was 19. I didn't accept Jesus. I was just a counterfeit quit Christian and I feel like that's what mm-hmm. our churches are filled with. Unfortunately. I think there's a lot. And it's sad. I don't think it's just a small bit. I don't either. And it's really sad. Y'all been there. You know, you know how it is. And and I'm not saying that all mega churches and all churches that have, not. you know, the music with the dark. You know, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not. But if you are not changing lives for Jesus. Well, if you're not sold out. Are you really a Christian? A church member. You know, mm-hmm. be a church member. You know, how many people uh, do I hear? Now, I pastored for years. And yes. I understand why right. pastors, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to preach just to two people. No, you don't. You should want to because they're important to God. Right. But pastors want more than two people or the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're all important. Or their family. Yeah. And so it's kind of like I see how we got into this mess of, have you been to church? Been right. to church? Been to church? Been to church? Yeah. church member? Mm-hmm. Yep. Church? Yep. Yep. And I see how we got there. Right. But I think that many people think because you're a church member, you're going to heaven. Right. Well, and, and like you said, we understand that pastors want to preach where people will come. Yes. Because if you're preaching and you're stepping on toes, some of those proposed Christians in the congregation, some of them unfortunately are in higher positions in the church, will come talk to the pastor and say, hey, where are all the people? You must be your preaching. You know, and people are not wanting their toes stepped on. Um, you know, I mean, when we grew up, I mean, I know you didn't grow up in, in you. I was grew, Catholic. Right. Yeah. I grew up in churches and, you know, they weren't as afraid of preaching the gospel and talking about the things that step on people's toes as they are today. Yeah, I just fell asleep. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. I would snore yeah. too. I even snored as a little girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep in the Catholic Church. Yeah, uh, it's it's just unfortunate. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say that a lot of church members are not Christians. Be baptized. 
that does not save you. It's just an outward showing. And we did check out our podcast on baptism. It's just, you Please know, do. yeah, we're, we're being baptized does not save you. And a lot of churches, they're not even preaching the gospel anymore because of emotionalism, mm-hmm. concern of offending and the negativism of sin. And concerned for their numbers. They're concerned about their numbers and, right. and tithing. Yes. But here's what Jesus said that I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. He looks to all these people. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, Mm -hmm. such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Folks, Jesus would be kicked out of most churches today. If Jesus stood in the pulpit to preach, a lot of churches would get rid of him. I believe they would crucify him again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at this for a second. He's not saying, okay, this is the same Jesus Mm -hmm. that said, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. He's the same one that it says through Paul, Mm -hmm. if you don't provide for your family, take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Right. So he's not saying just treat your family disrespectfully. No, he's not saying that. This is not called a hyperbole. Right? Oh, big word. You want to explain a hyperbole? No, that's okay. You go ahead. Hyperbole is an <laughs> exaggeration. Yes. He's saying that in comparison to anything on this earth, Jesus needs to be your everything. He needs to be the top number one. Your family does not even need to be close to where Jesus is in your life. That is very true. If we love anything more than we love Jesus, then we've made that person or that thing an idol. And that is not okay. And he says, whoever does not carry their cross. What does that mean? Does not carry their cross. Cannot be my disciple. I don't believe he's just saying when he says disciple, he's talking about following him, period. You know, some people want to separate the two. I don't. No, no. If I you're, believe in lordship. Absolutely. If you're following him, then you're telling people about him. You're living out your salvation in fear and trembling, as it says. You're showing others that you love him and he's important to you. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. Right. It's not by works. No. Not by a single work or less we could brag about it. Right. And Jesus' uh, death was in vain. Right. We're saved by solely grace through faith. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is has changed our life into a new creation. Right. And we cannot help but be the same again. We will live for God as a result. Mm -hmm. And if there's not a change, some people have more change than others. That is true. Mm -hmm. But if there's not a change to where Christ is our everything. Mm -hmm then we have to question, is it real? So, you know, unfortunately, some, you know, some denominations and some religions preach that the works save you. Yes. But you're not saying that. You're saying, first, you have to have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and then the discipleship and the works for Christ come after that, is what you're saying. Jesus, you know, it is correct to say in Scripture that we're we're saved. Same by faith. Past tense mm-hmm. in Christ. Right. And it's also correct that we're being saved mm-hmm. and we will be saved. 
And that that's where a lot of people, I think, throw in, oh, well, then the works is what saves you. No, 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 no. no. The works happen because you love Jesus and you want to serve him. It's and I wouldn't even call it works. I would call it service, wouldn't you? I would say it's service, but yeah. it's God changing you. Yeah. It's you have you to have help it first. It. No, you have you to have it first. It. And because you have that faith in Jesus and because you're following him, you can't help but serve him. We're saved and justified by faith. Right. We are being saved with some big word called sanctification. Ooh, sanctification. And we're being made holy. Right. We're, we are participating, mm-hmm. but Jesus is doing it. It's kind of like the doctor that goes in, you have scar tissue. Uh-huh. He's removing scar tissue that's in there, he's tarnishing you. Mm-hmm. It's creating uncomfortable feelings and whatnot. Right. He removes it so that we can live a more smooth life. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit is cutting away scar tissue of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's making us more holy. He's teaching us to serve and surrender to God Amen. so that we're more like Jesus. Love it. Very good. Uh, so when we look at this, we're carrying the cross. You know, in verses 28, you said something about suppose you want to build a tower. Mm-hmm. Do you consider the cost? Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of Christians... They say this little prayer mm-hmm. and I want, you know, they and and then the church wants to get them thrown into the baptism and, mm-hmm. and into a community group. But right. there's no teaching about surrender. There's no teaching about, you know, following Jesus, what that means. You know, used to and I know there are some churches that still do this, which is right. great. Used to if you accepted Jesus in a church or you join the church. I mean, they would put you through a discipleship survivor. There was like the survival kit thing um, that you would go through and it would teach you actually how to be a disciple. So I commend the churches that are still doing that. And there are. are. Because that's important. And that really teaches a person how to serve Christ. And I I think we need to get back to that. That little survival kit. I don't know if they still print anymore. That's what it was called. Um, and it was really good because it taught you, yes, you accepted Jesus as your savior and faith. Now what? And it taught Christians the now what, what you need to do to keep on being close to him because you don't want, you don't want had knowledge of accepting Christ. You want your heart changed. So that's why you you hear somebody, well, I, you know, I pray the prayer with head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. When you throw your whole heart into something, you give it your all. And so people need to understand what that is. So, you know, churches out there, people that are, are evangelists, you know, leading people to Christ, you know, we've got to disciple them. I mean, what is what does Jesus say? The Great Commission, right? Doesn't say anything about getting people saved. No, it implies it, right? But the first thing it says is make disciples. Yeah, a disciple is not somebody to just praise a prayer. You know, in verse twenty-seven, whoever does not carry their cross mm-hmm. cannot follow me. It's you know, and in Scripture, it talks about that many of the disciples left when right. they heard that. 
Yeah, because they couldn't handle it. They didn't want to give up their lives. I mean, what did the cross mean back then? (sighs) Not what it should have. It meant dying. Yeah. It meant shame. It meant identifying with something that the world considered to be scum of the right. earth. Right. Mm. Matter of fact, the Bible talked about cursed is a man on the cross. Right. That hangeth on a tree. Mm-hmm. So consider the cost. Right. Consider the cost. And then you read 31 through uh, 33, mm-hmm. and it's the same principle. You know, suppose a king's about to go to war against another king. Mm-hmm. Won't he first sit down and consider the cost? Right. And and I really think that these verses, a lot of times, are not even mentioned anymore. Because no. it may scare people off. Which is awful. Why are we so scared of scaring people off? Because what we're doing is we're scaring them into hell. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to say it like it is because that's the truth, you know. Yes. That's why I was so frustrated when you were in the ministry and this didn't happen everywhere. So those of you that are following us that were in our in the churches that Jonathan Pastor, please know that we're not saying this. But there would be people that would come to you and say, oh, you shouldn't preach that again. Or, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And it was hard. It was is keeping you from feeling like you could spread the gospel and could actually preach the word. And, you know, I'm going off on a little tangent for a second. Ministers today that are paid ministers, a lot of times are yoked to that church because they're supporting their family with with the the salary and Mm -hmm. so they feel like okay if i'm going to support my family maybe i do need to do this and it shouldn't be that way we should all be supporting the pastors and all be saying sick them use that word of god preach the tough stuff and we shouldn't be trying to put a muzzle on them so i feel very strongly about that okay Uh, i (laughs) I know you do yeah you know and then the last couple of verses, 34 to 35, mm-hmm. salt is good. You know, what was salt back then? Well, they that was a preservative. Yeah. Number one, they didn't have freezers. They didn't have refrigerators. So they would put salt on their meat and everything to preserve it. And they didn't have all the herbs and everything to make it taste good. So the salt would preserve it and would also make it taste good. And it was also paid for as, as money. It was used as money. That's where you get. You're not worth your salt. Oh, they don't say that much. Anymore. They don't say that much anymore. But they did even when I was a kid. Right. You're not worth your salt. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, mm-hmm. how can it be made salty again? It can't. And so, really, I really see this. And Jesus in verse 35 says, "It's fit neither for soil nor for manure." Yeah. Yep. He's basically saying that it's worthless. And if you're not being the salt of the earth, you're not serving him. And I think there's a very important thing. And you have to question whether you're even in the faith. Right. Because he says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah. Let them hear. Yeah. Because if you're if you're not having the saltiness of the truth, mm-hmm. then it's it's worth it's equivalent to manure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, true, true. Uh, this is a powerful scripture. Yes, it is. Uh, and I, I think that as we see this, mm-hmm. 
man, we really have to stick to this. We do. You know, we, we want to be liked. Well, yeah. We want people to say, well, you know. You're pretty cool. But, you know, if we preach the truth, you are not, even in churches, going to be loved. No, and it, it shouldn't be that way, but it is the truth. But if you are a true Christian in the faith, you are going to want to serve God. You're going to want to share Jesus. You're want, going to want to have those hard conversations, and you're going to want to bring others to Christ. And I think learning from this is giving it all to him. Yes. It's easy, but it's not easy. It's right. You know, it, 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 it is. Salvation is very simple. Mm-hmm. It's the foolishness of preaching. It's the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. Yes. But it's also, it's complicated because we're in a world that's hostile. Yes. You know, we look at some lessons we get from this is that the world sees the majority of people going to heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe some mass murderers will go to hell. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says the opposite. Right. He said only a few will be saved. Yeah. In Luke 13, it says, he said, make every effort to enter the narrow gate, mm-hmm. the narrow door, because many will tell you, we'll, we'll try to enter another way and not yeah. able to. Right. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life and few will find it. When we come to faith in Christ, it means identifying with him. Yeah. It means... It means becoming a new creation. It means making him our everything. Absolutely. Our allegiance. Yes. Being ready to die and follow him wherever that takes you. Right. Living an uncompromising life for Jesus, for his glory. True, true. So I I know this was probably a hard one for some. Yeah. But it's a good one. Amen. And I hope you guys realize that God can take your mess, turn to a message for his glory, for your good. And take this message to heart. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye.